The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch now in the iTunes App Store. Live from the corner of your eye, it's Doctor Who, Podshock. Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Pachak, episode 332. This is Lewis Trapani, and joining me on this live show is Kyle Jones. Hello, Kyle. Good afternoon. Glad to be here, sitting here watching the opening credits of Doctor Who and enjoying that since we, of course, you missed it last night. So glad to be here. Glad to have you here. Had to throw that little jab in there. <laughs> and uh, also uh, with us is, uh, well, live in um, listening with us is um, a, f- a friend of the show, Steve Rice Pudding Brain, a.k.a. And joining us shortly will be Dave A.C. Cooper. He's on his way. He's uh, be joining us momentarily, He's wrapping up his live show as we speak. And um, and hopefully Lee might be joining us as well, we hope. So um, something to look forward to there. But we figured, you know, the wheels of progress will go forward as we, you know, we'll just continue going forward instead of holding up the show, waiting for everyone to get on board. So uh, lost in the vortex. Yeah. Well, now this is the we're middle of November now. It's the 15th of November as we record this. And we're already well, I mean, I thought we were met um, halfway through the series, but we're actually um, like three-fourths of the way through the series already. We only have, um, you had said, Kyle, before we started recording, that we only have uh, three more episodes to go? Yeah, three more. We've got next week, Space the Raven, and then the what looks to be two-part uh, finale. So, yeah, three more so, left. Wow. So, so this is this was uh, intended to be a mid-series review and, um, and and reviewing last night's episode as well. So it looks like it's going to be a um, a three-quarter um, review, and which is um, you know just as well, I guess. It, and it looks like Dave, I don't mean to interrupt, but Dave, Dave is here. Dave is here. So we can thank the maker that Dave is here. So, yeah, so, um, well, I don't know, maybe doing a series review, mid-series review might be premature since we only have three more episodes. We could do, you know, we may, well, let's do, let's, let's not, (laughs) 
<laughs> let's let's uh, you know count what? Let's up. just let's just wing it and yeah. And, we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll can, go from there. We can do a we can do a mid series review sort of and review last night's episode, and then um, if we have the ability to do a, a series review in three weeks or so, we'll do that too. So there you go. All the better. So I did unmute Day, but he got muted somehow again. So let me unmute him again. That's all right. Dave. I was talking to myself. Hi, guys. Yeah, I did. Hi, un- Kyle. I did unmute you, but then I checked when I last, then I checked again, and then I saw you muted. So I don't know why that was. Right. Uh, um, I don't know whether you're actually in discussions. Are we're, we're actually live now? But uh, yeah. We're, we're recordings and we're lives. And um, so joining us, let me, without any further ado, let me introduce Mr. Dave A.C. Cooper. Hello, Dave. Hi, Lewis. Hi, everyone. Good to be here. Good hey, to have hey, you hey. here. So the, the only uh, question mark other than the ones on the doctor's collars or um, sweater vest. I was good for that matter. Or umbrella, depending which doctor we're talking about. Uh, the only other question mark is um, is Lee. We're not sure if um, Lee is joining us or not. Hopefully he will. Um, and we'll welcome him when he does, if if and when he does. So, and there may be some people coming over from uh, another podcast. Sure. Yeah, the Cultum Collective is just finishing up now, so we may have um, some sloppy seconds from... <laughs> <laughs> From um, the Cultum Collective joining us, which we welcome as well, all you know, without any hesitation. So third, um, fourth, fifth, sixth. Yes. So we were, were just about. We just opened the show. Really, we just started uh, the show. We just had the opening credits, and I introduced Kyle and introduced you, and we're just about to um, cover any any. Um, Pending or anything, anything that any urgent Doctor Who news, anything new that we need to talk about before we get into reviewing last night's episode and the mid-series review. Uh, well, I haven't got a uh, real news. I mean, there are things happening, there are different conventions happening, but of course, those events are just about uh, closing out now. So um, I think people will probably be able to check on the internet uh, when people start posting photos and. And, and video and YouTube clips um, and some feedback f- f- from from those particular events. Yeah, there's um, a, a the big festival going doctor- on in the UK. I know that. Um, any anything? Yeah. Well, we, we're still we're still waiting. Well, um, I guess we'll we'll get into that in our review. As far as um, you know, the, the the biggest news so far was you know that that we know. That, I mean, we've already discussed it in past episodes, you know, about um, Clara's character and um, perhaps further um, conclusion of, um, you know, the doctor's face and all that, which was touched upon earlier in the year in this series. Right. All right. So um, so without anything really tremendous um, to, to speak about news wise, I guess we can go into our review of I figure what we could do is we could do both we could since um, you know we have the time and we're already three quarters of the way through we it's more of a it's it's more of a three quarter of a way review and we'll probably do a wrap up review as well at the end of the series so um, we could we could uh, 
spend some time speaking about last night's episode, which was um, Sleep No More. or Yeah, Sleep No More. Yeah, Sleep No More. That episode was... Um, was on last night. As I said, we were recording this on the 15th of November. It's uh, starred the 12th Doctor, Peter Capaldi, and Jenna Coleman as Clara Oswald, as we know. Oh, before we go any further, one thing I almost forgot to do was... Spoilers. 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 Again. Spoilers. 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 Well, you get the idea. Anything after this could be spoilery for you if you haven't haven't seen um, last night's episode. Or for that matter, since we are going to be reviewing the 2015 series so far, a.k.a. Series 9 of Doctor Who, if you haven't seen any of that up to this point, um, there may be spoilers um, in this episode. So fair warning. So we'll go forward. So last night's episode, Sleep No More, was written by uh, Mark Gaddis. It was um, directed by Justin Molotnikov. I'm not sure if I—forgive if, me if, I'm, if I trash that through the coals <laughs> and into no, the I fire. That's pretty good, that Molotov. Follow Nick Cuff, yeah, I'd go with that. Sounds like a bomb villain. <laughs> it does, yeah. So, um, so that was last night. That was the, that aired on the originally broadcast on the fourteenth of November, and it was a different because so far this series we've been having two part episodes. You know, we've been having stories that took um, either took the either there were stories that were two parters or. It, and um, it continued on into the next. I know that sounds redundant, but um, I know that the, because you could argue that the girl that died and the and the, and the woman that lived could be independent, you know. But they sort of continued on from one to the other, even though they were sort of like separate stories unto themselves. Yeah, they didn't have to have been told consecutively. Yes, uh, they yeah. were linked stories, but they were shown both as uh, two linked stories and and consecutively but uh, i think you, i think you've made the point somewhere that they they could easily have been you know four or five episodes apart they, but, uh, you know right. and you could argue that maybe it would have worked better if they were you know i i when i was watching i, I agree it, with that when i was watching it, i said to, you know there, there was no reason that they this had to follow up on the next episode this they could have been some you know it would have been maybe like a nice surprise if you didn't know it was coming then we see her again and like oh and and then also that time that passed between the two a hard time hard timeline there's so many years that had passed it would have made a little bit more sense you know because for us it feels like some time had passed as well but did they do that because of at the very end they show the um, picture that Clara is showing the doctor and it has her standing in present day? Was that why they went ahead and showed it? Well, you could argue that. But on the other hand, that wasn't to then transpire in the next episode, was it? No. Good point. I think it was just a. I think it was just a way that they. Uh, uh, they've got they've got uh, a selection of twelve stories. They've got, they've gone maybe as I think more for cost reasons. They've gone for two parties, and and there's only so much jiggling about of which episodes you can move because. 
some of them were genuine two-parters, and in fact, some of them was basically a single 90-minute story chopped into two into two halves. So they probably have very little leeway uh, of how they could have decided. Well, do you know what? We've gone with all these two-parted stories. These are link stories. Uh, it, they 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 sit reasonably well uh, it, it means like you say unfortunately Lewis we, you don't have this you know when will that character return or whatever you lose that but on the other hand if you've got a, a, a fan base and a viewership that are are rooted in in this particular character and some would say not only this character but the 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 girl that was playing that part uh, from Game of Thrones of course uh, maybe you know strike while the iron's hot you would get all the fans of Game of Thrones watching two Doctor Who episodes back to back and maybe get them more invested in Doctor Who. Yeah, that's true. You know, going on that same uh, thought that you just went over, Dave, looking at the figures, though, her the actual viewing figures, both for Overnight and Final, from the girl who died to the woman who lived, they drop, dropped on both. Well, again, that's the BBC. Uh, right, the, uh, true. They're, they're scheduling here in the UK, for those who don't know, it's followed by the UK version of Dancing on Stars. It's called Strictly Come Dancing. And as each contestant drops out, they show the programme, because, and that's an Irish way of doing it, but we do that a lot in this country, because they want to keep the time at which the episode of the dancing finishes, when they shorten it, they don't start it at the same time. Sorry, I get that right. Because they want they want to always start it at the same time because that's their highlight program. That's the one with the eight, the ten million things. Uh, and gotcha. so basically, as it shortens by five minutes, Doctor Who comes in. I mean, really, I think you, they should take some criticism for starting Doctor Who so late. Uh, I mean, it's been like, started as late as 8.25, which, remember, for, you know, younger viewers of seven or eight, that's taking them well into, you know, uh, getting on for quarter past, twenty past nine, not going to be in bed till half nine. You could argue, right. of course, there will be a lot of parents that will say, well, actually, I don't let my child watch it live. I watch it, we record it. If I think it wasn't too scary, then, then they can watch it you know, the next day. So it pays your money and takes your choice. Good point. You I wonder if we've lost watch Lewis. This. I'm warning you, you can never unsee it. But if you do watch, Gagan Rasmussen, I'm Gagan Rasmussen. This is Leverrier Lab in orbit around Neptune. I've put things together into some kind of order uh, so that you can uh, understand. This is what happened. Stop staring! They came from Triton. This is Chopra. A bit of an attitude, in my opinion. Calm down, Pat. Well, it's ridiculous. That thing's meant to be a lethal fighting machine. It just moons around like a lovesick puppy. I could hear you ranting from inside the pod chopper, for the God's sake. Feel better. Commander Nagata. Young for the responsibility. Quite a baptism of fire, I'm afraid. Marvellous, ma'am. All hell morph, you say? Deep Ando, conscript. Likes to think of himself as the joker of this little group. Well, he did. Morpheus, Morpheus, Morpheus. Sleep's the one thing left to us. The one thing they couldn't get their filthy mitts on, now they're even grabbing that. 
colonising it. Spoken like a true rip. Oh, don't call me that. I don't call me that, Mom. Give it a rest, Pat. Give what a rest? This is a mission, Chopra. We find out what's happened on Lavedia and then we all go on. So that was a, a little clip there from last night's episode, Sleep No More. And uh, my ears perked up while I was watching that because uh, that that segment there, uh, because there's a character named Chopper, as you heard in that clip. And there's a line uh, at some point where he says something about, about uh, something about the pod and then comma Chopper. And it sounded like pod shock. <laughs> But it's, I, did, I thought that too. <laughs> he said pod chop pod, you know, it was pod, and then he said the the, the guy's name, the character's name, pod chopper. And so while I was watching it, it just well, it's like, did he say pod chalk? And I had to go back and and uh, re-listen. <laughs> I suppose putting brain says the same. I must admit that it definitely sounded uh, it it caught me somewhat. Yes, it did. Mine too. So, um, so yeah. So again, this was uh, written by Mark Gaddis, who's not unfamiliar with Doctor Who, has written um, various episodes in the past. Um, I don't know. Um, I know. I, I got a little sneak preview from from Kyle about your thoughts, perhaps, Dave, on on this, and and I and I got the gist from what Kyle had said, and I, I have to say that um, I was pretty much with this episode up until the point where they sort of explained the creation of the Sandman. Oh, I, I, I should also say on a side note, you know, because uh, they kept on talking about Morpheus and, and it just kept on reminding me of, um, even though it's a different name, but there's a character, Morgus, in the Caves of Androzani, um, the last story of Peter Davison's The Fifth Doctor. So uh, for some reason, um, it just brought me back to that that era also like the the helmets and the costumes sort of reminded me of that you know that year of doctor who there was uh, another um it was um earthshock i think where they, they were um you know the, the the soldiers that had similar helmets on um barrel reed <laughs> so it's it, it sort of was a, a good flashback to uh and even like the the character that um uh, the the one with the glasses, um, Russ Russman Russman, um, yes yes Russman or yeah he reminded me his costume and um, just his overall look reminded me of something from classic Doctor Who as well that you might have seen in that in that year and you know either um, late eighty three or early nineteen eighty four in, in that time era of Doctor Who. Now, yeah. now, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong from what I read of your comment earlier. You enjoyed it better listening to some of the audio clips. Is that right? Yeah, indeed. Uh, um, just to, to, to put people in perspective, I'd, uh, I'd actually been to see uh, the James Bond movie early on. So, I mean, comparing Dot 2 with a £200 million gigantic movie franchise uh, of James Bond, which was totally informed, by the way, I love Spectre, uh, I think it's as good as Skyfall, if not better, especially if you like uh, good old uh, James Bond and uh, hand-to-hand combat and big, big explosions. You, you will really love it. So I'd watch that. Uh, I'd imbibed a few uh, pints of Guinness uh, discussing that with friends. So I came to watching it at 2 a.m. in the morning, this episode, and... Uh, to be frank, I, I couldn't get invested in it. Um, I, I felt, even though we were introduced 
as we, uh, with that clip that you just played, we, we learned a bit, a little bit about some of the main characters. But because it was done in this, um, you know, almost handheld yes, camera, yes, like cinema verte uh, type of style. Yeah, yeah. I found it slightly sickening, and that wasn't the drink I had, but uh, <laughs> I, I felt it, it. It was difficult, and and, and I wasn't really interested uh, in the characters themselves. And um, to be on, I found it pretty. I wouldn't say it was heavy going because I, I just never really got into it and um, I dismissed it really as, well, that's not really my cup of tea, this episode. So I had, um, I had actually held off getting some clips prepared for it for today's show because uh, there was world tennis on. Um, uh, so I, I could uh, watch some really high-class tennis and I deferred to watching that. But anyway, then going back to the audio, there are actually some... Quite little good references. Uh, Mark Gates, uh, uh, yeah, Mark has put quite a few references into the long game, zero patient, uh, patient zero, and um, yeah. there's lots of other little uh, the, things in the, there. The, the Solorians were mentioned as well. Yeah, we have the uh, the 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 twelfth Doctor, you know, putting his finger up in the air to 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 find out what century is in, and, um, and then it's a Tuesday. Uh, there's lots of other, yeah, right. Yeah, a lot of nice little things. And there is an awful lot. Uh, I think as an audio play, this would work very well. Now, you might think, well, you'd even be more mixed up about what's happening. But to tell you the truth, I don't think the visuals helped. I think the visuals were there for atmospheric. Um, I, I thought, Yeah. I mean, I thought that um, although um, we're supposedly told that... Uh, um, Stephen Moffat has anything to do with uh, when these programs are scheduled. I thought, oh, well, perhaps the Zygon invasion was scheduled to be over Halloween because it was a scary one. But I get a feeling watching this one that this might have been intended to be the one that they would show around Halloween um, uh, with this sort of uh, Sandman monster. Um, but to me, um, it was listening to the audio, uh, which you know, obviously focuses your mind more. Uh, I, I, I draw quite a lot more out of it. And I will just say this, that I've rewatched it completely in visual again, uh, and I take more from this. But the point is, can you convince people to watch this more than once? That's, that's the issue I have. It was an experimental one, and we're always saying, well, you know, Doctor Who, it's got to do different things. It wants to keep going. I mean... I mean, they've barely kept going 52 years. I mean, they've got to go, you know, got, you know it's, still, it's still a work in progress. So um, they, they've got to try something new. So as uh, some people have pointed out, they tried something new uh, and this one failed. But I think actually if you watch it a second time, and maybe this may be a very slow burner, by the time the DVD comes out, this may be one of the episodes that you watch and re-watch it's a question of whether you can be bothered to do so. Yeah, well, my, my pet peeve, ah. which I've expressed before, is that, you know, it just seems that the current Doctor Who's just seems to go out its way to be scary. I mean, I don't mind if Doctor Who's scary, you know, and I, and I realize that the people that are making Doctor Who now, when they were younger and they were children watching the show, you know, that was a factor, the scare factor. Um, but when you're that young, I mean, I discovered Doctor Who, you know, not as that young. I wasn't, I'm, I was more... Um, you know, I was I was in my early teens, so I mean, I, it wasn't I didn't 
I didn't find it scary. I just wanted some good stories and good science fiction stories and, um, you know, good drama, good characters. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be scary. It, it can be, but it just seems like now it seems like epi- every time they, with each new episode, it seems to go out of its way to have some sort of scary element involved. You, even like the, the, which was a great episode, um, the one with Vincent Van Gogh, uh, could have just been a pure historical episode, but then they had to put something scary in it just to, you know, add to the scare factor. Like it's scary. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, you know, I, I thought it would have held its own, you know, even without that element. Uh, but, I mean, it's, I mean, I don't mean to detract from that episode at all. I think it still stands well, but it, it just proves the point that it, there always has to be some sort of monster and it has to be, you know, something scary. You know, when I started watching it last night, and at the very beginning, I'll admit, I did kind of like the um, different angles that they were using. But as they got along with the story, and I think you mentioned this earlier, Lewis, when they get to explaining where the monsters are coming from, I'm like, really? Yeah, that's it just didn't. When it sort of lost know, me. Like, really? You know, there's a suspension of belief or disbelief or whatever the phrase is, you know, when you're watching anything science fiction or fantasy. But then to me, it's sort of like, you know, um, you have an allowance of what you can do. And then after you cross a certain line, then it's like, oh, well, now I I, I can't buy into this anymore because I just, you know, this is was this they, they, yeah. from what I understand it was the the mucus from from your eye that these creatures the came, became sentient or not, became um, beings and I I just wasn't buying it you know I, um, I was buying all the sleep yeah, thing. You know, um, you know that this Morpheus device was able to get you all the benefits of a full night's sleep within five minutes and all that. I could buy that. You know, it's just um, it, it, it would have made a lot more sense to me if they would have said, "Okay, you go into these machines, you don't get your, you get simulated sleep, and that turns the people into the creatures." I could get that, but the whole dust uh, matter of your eye. I, I just didn't like, and I know they were trying to be experimental, but the reason that I said what I did at the introduction about I'm sitting here watching the opening credits, not having the opening credits did not, to me, affect the uh, story, help or hinder. It was like, what was the purpose of it? And I know there were supposed to be the names, maybe Doctor Who or, um, you know, Clara's name, I saw um I saw her name, but still, uh, you could have had the opening credits. I don't think that really did anything except maybe create a little pre-watch buzz. But for me, I didn't like it. Okay. Right now, we can't stay in here. We're going to freeze to death. We can't go back up there because the Sandmen will get us. Sandman? Yeah, it's a good name. Fits like the song. No. No, 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 no. You don't get to name things. I'm the doctor. I do the naming. Right. Sorry. It's like a Silurians all over again. Okay. Well, what would you prefer then, the Dustmen? Sandman. What did you just say? When? One point eight three minutes ago. I said we don't have helmet cams. Them in. What? 
You know, um, language is always evolving. And while I was watching this, you know, this takes place, I think, in the 38th century. Yet they were able to pick up on all of uh, like the not this has nothing to do with this clip that we just played. But um, it just for some reason, it just reminded me of it while I was watching last night's episode was that um Anytime, you know, and it's not just for this episode, but it seems often the case where they're, when they're in the future, the, the uh, society, whatever society we have in the future will recognize whatever phrases that we may have today, you know, that um, you, you would think some of it would be alien to them. And then they would have some phrases, um, which which I guess they did because they were talking about may the guards May the gods, sh- I forgot the phrase now, may the gods shine, br- uh, look upon, I don't know, whatever. Protect you or something, yeah. you know, something about Morpheus shine down on you or look down on you. Yeah, uh, so I, yeah, I guess that- they, they do to some extent, to some extent, but I often sometimes they'll use like a modern day phrase in, and then the other characters recognize it. Um, and they, they did it at one point last night, which now I, I can't remember exactly at one at what point. But um, I think the doctor made some sort of reference about, um, uh, you know, where um, I, I don't know. I'll get back to it. I can't remember now. <laughs> well, uh, uh, let me jump, jump in there while you just gather your thoughts on that, because um, the, the the fact that they started each of their statements with that that greeting at first that threw me out because i was thinking is this uh, are these the uh, the church soldiers again uh, is this oh, going to be the mm-hmm. one from yeah. the weeping angels and, and it was going to be a thing but um i, I think uh, i was it, it was explained to me that no this was like an emerging of uh, these two cultures of india and uh, and Japan or whatever it was that, that, that was coming in. Uh, but you could argue, of course, that the TARDIS would uh, uh, translate colloquialisms oh, as oh, well as... Oh, I like that. Oh, OK. Um, yeah, I can well, go with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, 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 the other thing is, um, when, when Kyle was talking about the, the, the credits, I didn't particularly like missing the main credits, and, uh, uh, but I do think that that credit did do something in as much as... Uh, when we saw it, that was in a way a visual representation of an encoded signal because it looked like random letters, but you could see the word Doctor Who and was it Clara Oswald in it? But they were hidden within a grid of letters, almost like a word search. Well, the whole point when you get to the end of the story is uh, that the, the, the man announces... Actually, all those horrors and things you've seen—that was all just to keep you watching. That was that—that that was irrelevant. That was all screen dressing. That was all uh, camouflage. The real thing is you're watching, and now I'm going to transmit this message. And he transmits that very quick digital message embedded within the video message. So I thought that thing at the beginning, Kyle, was like a—I didn't think it at the beginning, but when I got to the end. Uh, and watched it the second time, I thought, yes, that's a visual representation of an encoded message. So that's why I think they used it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can go with that. I still missed the entrance, though. Oh, I did, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but I can go with that. Yeah. 
But one of the storytelling tools that they used was, you know, to uh, so the audience knew that we were watching like a video was uh, they were using like this line scan of um, Russellman when he was speaking into the camera. And you could see the it was like an old video line scan image that today, in 2015, we hardly use, you know, that's like from CRT monitors would have that. So I would think, I was thinking, I don't think in the 38th century they're going to be still using it, but I understand they had to do something to um, to, tra- to convey that this wasn't, you know, this was some sort of transmission that we were watching or some, or some sort of video that we were watching. It's just, um, yeah, well, we're reverting back to the, to the 80s and 90s with that. They do that in big movies now, don't they? When they, you know, the breaking news in a big movie, and then they put those sort of, as you say, the the sort of scanline overlay yeah, yeah. over it to just just to so that you know this is supposed to be to make it actually more real. It seems funny that you make the picture look less real to infer make it more that real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, and, and one of the things that um, Dave, as an owner of a 4K television, you know where we're going. We're, we're, by the 38th century, we'll be, we'll be beyond all, you know, we'll, we'll, be, we'll have 38K, 38K televisions. There you go. Well, exactly. I mean, uh, I mean I've already put online that I, I hope now that it's said that the next Christmas special is going to be shown in theaters, at least here in the UK. And this, we don't know when the season ten is going to be delayed to, maybe maybe filmed in one year, and actually maybe they're going to reverse it and show the Christmas special and then the series ten after. I'm saying I hope that they're going to film the Christmas special uh, on red cameras, on 4K red cameras, mm-hmm. uh, if they know they're going to have a theatrical screening anyway, and also it would give it. Um, uh, give it some longevity in terms of, uh, you know, record it at that high definition, even if it obviously goes out on on broadcast TV at, at, uh, at 1080, well, 1080 interlaced, actually, 1080i, or maybe 1080p, uh, that they've got... Um, because, of course, we've got um, Ultra Blu-ray coming out um, in the next 12 months, so um, I'm hoping that Doctor Who's going to upscale the actual filming... But you're right. I mean, um, there's already uh, 8K, and actually, in fact, there's experimental 16K in Japan at the moment. <laughs> wow. So uh, I, I mean, think by just really well. We'll have uh, it will be all holographic. It'll be the holodeck from Star Trek on the 38th century. Right. Save on. I always think that the thing about holographic is save on scenery because. If basically the the characters in the middle, it's almost like theatre in the round, mm-hmm. where the camera pans around them. You almost don't need any furniture because it gets in the way of the view. <laughs> anyway, that's digressing somewhat. <laughs> um, uh, w- one of the things, just keeping it on the camera theme, though, there there is, um, and I I didn't notice this so much, but uh, Darth was saying earlier to, to us that um, uh, there's quite a lot of black and white content in here. Yeah, now, I, saw, I noticed that. A lot of it is low-level light. And then we have this um, reveal of sorts, because, again, here we have Clara. Poor girl, she's inside yet another container. She's been inside a Dalek. She's been inside a Zygon pod. Now she's inside this um, this uh, Morpheus machine. Uh, but it's after that we see what appears to be the Doctor breaking the fourth wall. He's looking directly at us. Yeah. And it's only when he later explains that these this... Uh, 
the camera. Uh, that's why these creatures can't see, because their visual uh, element has been taken from their body, are, are, has been used like remote eyes. But when he's looking at Clara and we're, we're seeing her viewpoint, we suddenly get a full colour view of the Doctor. Um, and again, I didn't pick that up till later when when he, he projects onto the wall that alliteration picture, you know, where this him and a screen, him and a screen, him and a screen going off into infinity. And then he looks back and you realise it's Clara's view. It's Clara's who's been infected. Uh, but then we come to a little bit of a possible weakness in this because... Um, haven't we had with Weeping Angels uh, a past companion have something in her eye? Right, Amy. And, uh, That's and right. The, it was in River's uh, uh, first episode that River was in with the Weeping Angels. Right. It was the two-parter. I can't remember the title, but Flesh and Stone, maybe? Yeah, it was the two-parter where the... Yeah. And uh, uh, again, we, ha we had this... And an analogy here as well is that in that we got to, you know, a picture of a weeping angel become, can become a weeping angel. Well, here, haven't we got a Sandman through a visual message can become a Sandman because the message is transmitted electronically. You didn't have to be touched by these Sandmen. You didn't have to go in the Morpheus container going to watch the video. Yeah, it was um, uh, Time of Angels... Flesh and Stone, being too proud of it. There you go. Yeah. But there was a lot in this. The question is, were people invested enough in these characters? Did they find... I mean, I don't particularly like the um, that way of filming, but it was different. Um, what was interesting was... The, I'm sorry, Dave, I didn't mean to step on you, but the, 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 if you saw the extra, the Doctor Who extra for this episode, that the cameraman was actually in costume because the, the, the other actors had to talk into the camera, so they sort of dressed him up as another character, another soldier. He was wearing the same soldier outfit, the cameraman that was walking about, that they were you know, breaking the fourth wall, into the, you know, talking into the camera. It was uh, as if the cameraman was another character in the story. Right. Uh, I was just going to read what Price Brigham Brain had written, because um, there's a text chat going on while we do this live. Uh, I was wondering if the Sandman had come from an earlier draft of the last Christmas special, which shares some elements of this. Well, Mark uh, Gatiss, in that extra set that he had written, he had this concept for this story for a while that he was... Um, you know that he, in fact, before robots of Sherwood and all that, he had this story idea, and it's just been lingering about before he got the opportunity to to, to um, you know execute it to actually do it. I mean, there's some debate about. I mean, we have these viewpoints, and the Doctor uses the viewpoints to to make um, a logical leap as to what's happening. But um, I mean. Everything was in low light, so maybe the, the, the whole station, I think it was referenced at some point, that it was under emergency power. So whether there were cameras... I mean, let's face it, if you've got a, if you've got a space station and you've got um, an airlock door, I, I'd pretty well much want a camera looking at an airlock door so that when, when the machine tells me that the door is locked, before I let the air out, I put the air in, I'd want to visually see that the door looked locked. Mm -hmm. So you would have thought there would have been 
things. But it, it could well be that the whole station was uh, basically on lockdown and on emergency power at this point. Yeah. Hmm. Good point. Well, that was another thing that we've already had sort of a similar when this story opened and, you know, we were being introduced to it and they were seemed to be like in this um, low powered space station and they're under attack. And it was sort of, you know, once again, it's a base under siege type of story. And, you know, we had something similar to this already with the underwater that, you know, the, the before the flood and the, the, uh, the that story with under the, the lake, under the lake. So we've had that already. So recently, you know, a similar story where, except it was in, instead of being in space, it was underwater, and you know where they were being attacked by these ghost-like creatures. And here, their sand, you know, it was just it just seemed a little bit too similar to what we've had too recently in a, in a similar respect. Well, it was the same set, wasn't it? Almost. It, well, it could have been. It could have been redressed, you know, and and turned off the lights. And you, you know, I, I was thinking that too. I'm, I'm thinking to myself. I wonder if it's the same, you know, similar setting that they just, you know, tweaked a bit, which, you know, is okay. You know, it's just to save our money. Yeah, uh, they've got to do that. I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how. Much, I mean. Uh, I don't know how long you want to spend on this particular Well, why don't I just play and, the last uh, remaining clip and then we can round out on this episode and then we can talk about anything okay. else. All right, so here we go. Hello again. The thing is, you see, this message, this testament, it wasn't just my alibi. It was my plan. There are no spores, no infection. The Morpheus process remains the same. An electronic signal that affects the sleep centers of the brain changes them. An electronic signal that's contained in this recording. There it is. It tickles, doesn't it? I've just got time to, to fit this bit in and then I can finish the story and then I'm going to transmit this footage to the whole solar system. I do hope you've enjoyed the show. I did try to make it exciting. All those scary bits, all those death-defying scrapes, monsters, and a proper climax with a really big one at the end. Compulsive viewing. I did tell you not to watch. You will show this film to your family, won't you? And your friends. And everyone, really. You've got something. There. Just in the corner of your eye. Did, did anybody hear Marvin come into that little bit? <laughs> it did sound a little, like, little bit like Marvin. <laughs> I've got something in my eye and I've been standing here for 10,000 years. <laughs> I think you ought to know I'm feeling very depressed. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, to be honest, I've only had time uh, as of this recording to watch it once, so I, I, I have to watch it again to catch any uh, nuances there, that um, such as that. Yeah. So I, I, um, I did get a message from Lee. Unfortunately, he's unable to join us today. Um, you know, schedule conflict, but um, you know, I'm sure he'll be back with us as soon as possible. Oh, it's pretty, but uh, I'm sure he would have made it if he could. Yes. Yes, and, uh, I agree. Rice Pudding Brain in chat said he sounded like Hitchcock there for a second. I, I can hear that too now, you know, now that I think about it. Alpha, <laughs> Alpha Hitchcock. Yes. So how do we rate? If we were giving a rating, how are we going to rate last night? Well, you know, it wasn't 
horrible, horrible. It just wasn't um, as good as I was hoping it was going to be as I, you know, as it started. I, I really had, um, you know, different expectations, perhaps, um, even though I, I didn't know much about it, how it started, you know, you know, before going into this, I, and in fact, I've been trying to isolate myself from anything, you know, this series going into any episode, I'm trying not to have any information or any foreknowledge of anything so that my expectations aren't there. But, um, like I said, it had me, you know, I, you know, I, I, I like the, I like the science fiction element of it, um, you know, being in space and all that where we haven't had, you know, we had that underwater story, but we, which had a bit of a science fiction element in it, but we haven't had any really, um, you know, space opera type of style storytelling in this series as of yet that I can recall. Off, you know, um, so, you know, I like that. I like the throwbacks to the classic series. I thought the, the costuming and um, sort of hinted back to it, even the um, some of the naming and all that conventions um, reminded me. And, you know, and there was, of course, the reference there to the Slorians. But um, I just thought the I just couldn't buy the, the threat, you know, and um and then even at the end, I'm still wasn't sure what was going on. Is this, is, is this like was all like at first I thought it might have been a dream. Maybe I was thinking as I was watching this, maybe this is all Clara's dream when she was in the machine. And when they brought her out of the machine, it was, you know, how they sometimes kind of fool you into thinking that the dream is over and it's actually still you're still in the dream. And I, I know Doctor Who's done that right. before as well. Um, so I thought maybe that was it too. So it was just kind of confusing on the conclusion of the story. I know, um, you know, the, the, it sort of sort of ends without the doctor, you know, putting everything in a bow and and, and cleaning up the mess, which he didn't really do here. And um, I, I know in that, and again, we're reviewing that the story itself, not what we've seen in the extra. I know in the in that extra piece where. Uh, Peter Capaldi said that he, we didn't see the Doctor win, but then again, um, maybe it was done off, you know, it, it was done off the camera, perhaps, you know, because he didn't want to accept that the Doctor didn't win in this episode. So right. I, I, I would rate it, I, I would give it maybe, um, I know, two and a half TARDIS groans would be midway, through, you know, a, a halfway point of uh, out of five TARDIS groans. So I, I guess I would give it two TARDIS groans. And uh, um, but I need to watch it again because I only watch it once, and usually I don't like to uh, to really give a full review unless I've at least watched it twice. You know, one to sort of just watch it, and another one just to kind of absorb it or a little bit more and, and catch some stuff that I might have missed the first time around. So um, pen, you know, pending a second watching, I'll, I'll give it two Tardis groans, and that could change after seeing it again. I, I'm going to follow up and say two for me as well. For the, many of the very same reasons, I give them total credit for trying something different. You know, yes, I didn't like the um, not having the opening, but I understand. I agree with what Dave said from the digital transmission. That makes sense. It was encoded. The thing that I did not like more than anything was the explanation of the monster. It just Again, yeah. I go back and say what I said earlier. Really, I mean, it just didn't didn't work for me. Uh, I've only seen it once. Honestly, I didn't have a desire. I could have watched it earlier. I did not really care to watch it again. And that is another reason for me. I give it a two. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Um. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, it's a very difficult one, this, because um, I've I got a feeling that this episode uh, is a little bit of a sleeper, if you could wake up to watch it. <laughs> well, Good one. In, in chat, uh, Rice Pudding Brain said, I, I watched it early and not at off, so somewhere in the middle. So um, I guess that's uh, yeah, well, telling. Yeah, I mean, it did uh, leave yourself open as a hostage to fortune because there's quite a few references to uh, sleep and this, that and the other in it. Um, uh, I think, really, the whole point was that it was supposed to be a sleight-of-hand story. I think that kind of is what it meant. I mean, you're supposed to be seeing all this frightening, and you basically, you know, it, it's like... It, you've ever watched these programmes on TV where they say, right... Uh, we're going to see how observant you are. We want you to watch this drama, right? So everybody's watching this drama. And then while they're watching the drama, a cleaner comes in and, and, and empties the bins and this, that and the other and, uh, and so on. And then at the end of the drama, everybody's geared up. I've memorised everything. And they're expecting the teachers to say, right, who, who was the person asking the questions to the, uh, the person sitting down at the desk? They're expecting that sort of question. And the, and the question they ask is, right, while you were watching that play, who came into the room? Yeah. I, was, I was concentrating on the play. Uh, because, of course, what was happening was the cleaner coming through. They're, 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 so, and exactly what this was. The whole story, as the, as the narrator, I'll call him, explains, is um, it, it was nothing. That was all flim-flam. That was his alibi. Um, the whole thing was to keep you engrossed in watching so that you would assimilate this this message. So in that way, it was clever. But on first watching, none of that came through, certainly not for me and for many others, I feel. Um, but I've got a feeling that if you can be convinced, uh, somebody said on our call earlier, you know, it's a bit like somebody saying, you know, these very lauded books that people read, you know, sort of, you know, Booker Prize winners, and you think, oh, do I have to? <laughs> do I have to? <laughs> and, and it feels like homework. And this is not my references; is pulling from other cleverer minds than mine. Uh, but it's almost as though, if you feel as though, you know, uh, your, your literary teacher, or your film critique teacher, told you to watch this episode, you think, well, why couldn't he pick a better episode for me to watch? Uh, but I think there is something in it, but maybe not as much as Mark Gatiss. I've got a feeling that he's, he's almost overworked this script. Uh, the gestation period was long. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, first viewing, it was barely a two. I'm up to about three, three and a half now. And, and just one thing I should mention uh, very quickly, and of course, is the, the, the actor playing that main character, Reese Shearsmith. If people are wondering where they've seen him from before, he played uh, Patrick Troughton in the uh, the documentary. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, he did seem familiar. Yes. Yeah, he, he was in the uh, Patrick Troughton way. Um, uh, Adventure in of, Space and Time. Adventure in Space and Time, yeah. So that's... I mean, he's been in lots of other things, but that's where people might... I've, I've seen his, some of his mannerisms coming through. Yeah, it's interesting, yeah. Like I said, he seemed familiar, but I, I, didn't, I, I didn't... I would never have, yeah. you know, put, the, uh, put those two dots together. 
Oh, he's been in tons of stuff, but um, I'll put the link to his wiki in the in the room anyway. All right, very good. So, um, moving off last night's episode and just speaking of the series as a whole, where we are right now, which is now more than midway through, as I was saying earlier at the top of the, at the top of the show, we're sort of uh, three quarters of the way through. We only have three more episodes to go. I can't believe we. It seems like. I don't know. It just seems like the series has just started and now we're already um, three quarters of the way through. So I don't know where where time goes, I guess, because they were mostly two parter stories. So it seemed like we've only had, you know, a handful of stories, but each one, um, each story took two parts, except for last night's, which was, you know, stood on its own. And and again, we spoke about the girl who died and the woman that lived could be independent stories as well, even though they're linked. Um so I mean, I mean, I do like that aspect. I know Dave, we spoke about this before, perhaps. Um, and and I, sh- if you're listening live, I should also explain that we did review um, episodes three and four already, and they're um, just in post production. They just haven't gone out yet. So, um, so this sort of is going to go well. The, what I'm saying is that our reviews for this series may be a little out of order, but we'll we'll get to all the stories. Um, so, um, so yeah, so I, I do like the, the cliffhangers that we did have, you know, where on the stories that, uh, cause uh, you know, that's one thing I did miss from, you know, going from classic Doctor Who to current Doctor Who is that, you know, there were so few linking stories or, um, stories that, that had cliffhangers. I had missed those, um, stingers at, at the end of each episode of Doctor Who that, you know, you had to wait for next week. And in my case, if you're watching it, if it was a daily PBS show, you know, at one point you just have to wait one day. Couldn't imagine waiting a week. <laughs> so, um, right. But um, so I, I like that, you know, in this series. I also thought that Peter Capaldi now as the 12th Doctor has more or less come more into his own. I felt even though I like Clara and I like the, the character of Clara and, and Jenna's Coleman portrayal of Clara um, in last series, you know, with her story and you know and the relationship that she was developing with um uh what's uh what's his name Danny Pink Danny Pink Danny you know, Pink I I felt that was taking some screen time even though it was interesting and it, I I didn't dislike it it just seemed to be competing with uh, the character development of the new doctor the 12th doctor so we didn't really I don't think Peter Capaldi had a chance to really sink his teeth into the role and I think now in this in this series um he's able to flesh out the character a little bit more and um and we're getting to know the 12th doctor more as you know as a character he it, Clara doesn't seem to be competing so much with him screen time wise it it seemed more um I don't want to say equal, but more traditional where a companion character would be, you know, in relationship to the doctors, you know, in, in if that makes any sense. Whatever that ratio is, I haven't you really know, worked it out. Well, you know, I agree with you. And I also think, you know, she's a great actress. And as far as the particular character goes, and I've got, you know, I know people who would say that Clara's the greatest companion that's ever come through. And having said that, I am actually ready for her to go. I'm, I'm interested to see what he can do without her, because some of the best scenes that I've seen from him this year have been when it's been without her. So I'm, um, 
you know, as far as the companion leaving, and I'm sure that's going to be sad, et cetera, and so forth. But, um, you know, for his interpretation of the doctor, I'm going to look forward to seeing whoever the new companion will be whenever we see 2010, or, or not 2010, uh, season series 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always good to see a, a different character that the Doctor can bounce off of, a different dynamic that, you know, that's uh, a different type of relationship, you know. And sometimes we'll see that when they introduce a, a new secondary character that's sort of like a companion in a story. But, um, you know, it'd be just nice to see what else, you know, see what chemistry could be, could evolve from a different type of character. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I, I, I am... You know, still a long time fan of uh, some of the classic companions, but I think you've got to, I think you have got to differentiate between uh, uh, companions from the classic series and the new series, with perhaps the exception of Sarah Jane Smith, who who seems to straddle both uh, and has fan groups I- I- in both. Um, I, I'm a well-known fan of uh, a certain uh, Wendy Padbury, but we'll. Uh, that's it being the actress's name, of course, Zoe. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I think Clara has been a phenomenal companion. Now, I don't think the way she was brought in did her great services with the fans, because this impossible nature had, had actually set me against her in some ways, um, because I wanted an ordinary companion with the Doctor, and um, and then I, I wasn't that particularly keen on the pairing of uh, of Clara and the Eleventh Doctor because I, I didn't think there was a chemistry between the two because um, although I think Matt Smith has, uh, has proved himself to be a fantastic Doctor and, and, and more kudos to him for having him following David Tennant as the Tenth Doctor for him to hold his head up and be a very widely acknowledged uh, excellent Doctor uh, is, is due to his uh, ability particularly of playing old uh, wasn't so much of a endeared with his uh, slapstick side. Mind you, I could say that for uh, Christopher Eccleston and the Ninth Doctor. I didn't like him when he was being silly. He was much better when he was being the stern, uh, repressed, uh, moody uh, Doctor. Now, with Capaldi, we had this situation of the Twelfth Doctor, uh, a Doctor who had resigned himself to die on this planet of Christmas, uh, in his 11th Doctor incarnation, 600 years there, when I've got a 2,000-year-old Doctor. So, of course, this was a, not just a, a transformation through, through changing from one generation to another. It was almost a complete, you know, uh, you know, what, what, what did they call it? Swiss cheese brain that they talk about on Quantum Leap. It was really that much. And I think that's why they took a very long time for this, Doctor to find his feet, and and hopefully that was planned. Um, I mean, there's no doubting that Peter Capaldi is a, a consummate actor and brings an awful lot to to this role. But absolutely, Lewis, I, I'm I'm fully with you in terms of a more well-rounded uh, Doctor. We've seen elements of the third Doctor. We've seen elements of the second Doctor. Uh, well, actually, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think which Doctor has not come through on screen as portrayed by Capaldi. Maybe not so much of the seventh Doctor or eighth Doctor, the bombastic eighth Doctor, but um, I think he's been marvellous. But to her credit, 
Clara, as played by Jenna Coleman, has has raised her game and has gone toe to toe. And what has been credited with one of um, the the Doctor's greatest outings prior to this episode was his uh, speech in the Zygon inversion. Oh yes, that was good. But to me, that was sold by Clara in in the doing the dual act of being Bonnie as well, uh, reacting not as Clara, but as Bonnie. And uh, you can only do it when you've got somebody to bounce off. So um, this series has been a very strong series um, so far. We, as, as Lewis quite rightly reminds me, and hopefully you listen that, you know, uh, in episode, um, what's it, term? Uh, 3.30, we covered episodes 1 and 2. 3.31, hopefully, will be out soon with uh, episodes 3 and 4. So now, having covered episode 9, uh, we've now got the you know the girl who died, the woman who lived, and the, the Zygon invasion and uh, inversion. Yeah. So we've got four episodes to cover. And it's in those four episodes that we truly feel as though we're well on in the... Well, actually, with the last two, the previous two, the Under the Latent Flood, uh, Capaldi is very much the Doctor. He's embraced the role. He's, he's steeped himself in the history of the role. Some people have said there's perhaps been too many references to uh, other incarnations or what, but I, I don't think they're detractive, detractive for those who, who may even not spot them. They, they haven't impinged upon the storyline and how that may have affected your reading of story so as long as they're not doing that and taking you out the story i think they're they're admirable and, uh, and they've worked really well so i think um peter capaldi is completely settled in the role uh we've got clara however i think there's been two constraints on the series that that may have just given us this bump in the role with episode nine uh, one is that we've got you know, we wait for two parters, we're more cliffhangers, now we get six of them. <laughs> Typical, isn't it? You, you can, uh, Doctor Who fans are never really happy, are they? But yeah. <laughs> so we, get, uh, we get all these two comparators, and we get a rather, as we've got a, as a protracted build-up to Capaldi being the Doctor and being, you know, safe within his skin as it were and, and, and imbuing it with his own more and more of his own characteristics we have a pro- prolonged leaving of a companion I mean um, uh, an awful lot of things that seem to have uh, mentioned uh, for instance in the Zygon invasion again uh, uh, Clara says to the doctor you know why were you worried I was only dead a few minutes and the doctor says well I'll be the judge of that we don't know how many of those 15 trials of getting the, the 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 story right with the settling the peace was Clara dead? Um, we we see sometimes the doctor look at Clara uh, uh, possibly as a ghost. We don't mm-hmm. know whether he's already had an adventure with her where she's come to a final end. This particular episode, the episodes before and the ones before that, Clara's been inside a Dalek. She's been inside a, a Zygon pod. She's now been inside this Morbius one. Um, you know, um, we have been led to believe that her leaving is going to be bittersweet. I'm under the impression that we're going to loop back uh, uh, quantum leap style, and the last time we see Clara is going to be crash landing on the planet, 
uh, where the Parliament of Daleks is, and she's going to end up being souffle girl all over again. But that's not a spoiler. That's just me, you know, uh, speculating, uh, having a little pet thing. Yeah, speculating absolutely. So um, you don't want to actually talk about these four middle episodes individually. I take it, Louis. So I would say that um, under the lake before the flood. The second part of that before the flood, I thought, was a slightly disappointing uh, uh, villain who was uh, dispatched, you know, obviously with the with the dam being blown up and just uh, it looked when we we were seeing the uh, the next time trailer of that as though he got his arm outstretched and he commanded the water to come. Uh, when in actual fact, he was being uh, uh, dispatched. Oh God! Mm. But. Uh, the Under the Lake Part 1, we have a, a foil completely for the episode we've just been talking about, Sleep No More, because we had the the captain of that group. We were already liking him, and then he was burnt by one of the thrusters. I mean, we, we were rooting for him. Here, these the, in Sleep No More, the characters were on screen an awful lot longer. I didn't have any mo- uh, much of a connection to them as I did there. There was evening under the lake. One of the characters, you thought uh, she was the one that knew all about the doctor and, uh, and, and squeed when, after the doctor turned his back, you know, oh, we've talked about the doctor. You almost thought, oh, she's going to be a companion. Um, then we have all the speculation and all the, the bringing forth of uh, the, the character that was played by, uh, you know, the amazing character from um, a lot, uh, Game of Thrones, um, you know, is this going to be the Doctor's daughter uh, or not? Uh, you know, uh, what took you so long, old man, and all that happened with that? And um, uh, it was a little bit of a romp in the middle of the story, but um, there was an awful lot of pain, and the Doctor reiterating that thing that we've that said before, Lewis, you know, I could, I could spend all of my life with you, but you can't. Yeah. You, you can spend all your life with me, but I, yeah. Um, the thing that sort of tore me up a little bit, I know Kyle says he's ready for Clara to go, but I mean, uh, it gives that girl who, who died this chip that will mean she can live forever. Not only that, he has a spare one, which very compassionately he gives her so she can give it to anybody who she wants to share her life with. Uh, and, uh, you know, Clara says, well, I. Uh, I know why you give it to her, because she's done so much. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute, Clara, you saved the world, you know, a lot, to quote a Buffy uh, on Buffy's gravestone. She saved the world a lot. Um, and yet she doesn't get given this gift. Uh, the Doctor doesn't offer it to her. So yeah. oh, there you go, a potted jump around. I'm sorry I've talked so long. No, well, 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 let me interject something to what you just said, you know, on top of she saved the world. Not only that, she saved him by jumping into his own time screen. Mm-hmm. And perhaps the reason why he did not give her that is for the very reason that um, um, for what you said, Dave, just a moment ago, without with her being in his mind a ghost in some way. I go back to, and I think it was 329 when we did our um, anticipation for this season. I think I said that I was wondering if this season would be similar to uh, Matt Smith's second series, which was starting at the beginning with the present, and then we, you know, we kind of worked back up to it toward uh, the end of the season. 
I think from the very beginning, uh, Clara is already whatever's happened to her, and he's catching up to it. He's going back and seeing her as he goes along, which is giving some of that um, melancholy that he's having each time he looks at her. Um, Indeed. You know, quite indeed. I think for the overall, you know, since we're doing uh, the three-fourths series, I do like the two-parters. I agree that it does kind of make you feel like, oh, wow, we've only got, you know, five or six uh, stories behind us when we've actually had nine. Um, you know, but I, but, but, but I like, you know, I kind of like that. It was a little bit different. Uh, when you guys were talking earlier, one thing that popped into my head of looking back at these last two series, and especially, Dave, when you mentioned uh, Matt Smith, was, you know, you take how many years that he was on Trenzalore in the town of Christmas, 600 years. And now you've got, at the very end, he's expecting to die. He basically gives himself over to the Daleks and say, go ahead and shoot me, and, you know, I'm out of ideas, et cetera, and so forth, then is bestowed upon either new set, unlimited set, however many, and then you've got this new version who has now got to feel right in his own skin. So you've got this last series of him not quite being sure about himself and to take away from what people were saying about, well, he's using too many versions of the other doctors. Well, look at it like this. What if you only had 12 regenerations and you know at each regeneration, regardless of whether or not your personality changes or what, you live in that moment. So yes, you may refer to some of your previous incarnations, but you live in that moment. Now, whether it's unlimited or whether it's 12 more or however many, he's not quite as restrained to live in that moment. So if he wants to, as he said earlier in the season, spend a, spend a day wearing a scarf, if he wants to uh, wear the pants of the second or the first, so be it. He can do that. He can define himself. That's kind of what I've seen happening with the characterization this year. His hair is longer. He's no longer in the prim and proper suit that he was last uh, series. And then uh, it's a little bit more fluid with how he interprets himself. So that's kind of what I've taken away. So I'm actually looking forward, especially to not necessarily next episode, but the second to the last where it's I don't think this is a spoiler, but if it is, spoiler, um, supposedly just him as the only actor throughout the course of the uh, episodes. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, we have had some stories that have been a little bit, uh, you know, companion like that, Dr. Light in a way. I mean, presumably, um, like when Clara was slightly uh, hardly in the, um, you know, the woman who lived, she only came in at the end. Presumably that was because she was filming... Um, you know, um, outdoor sequences for the the, the Zygon two-parter. So they, they, it has allowed them uh, an element, and also the very fact that the the format is different lends itself. Uh, and to be fair, this Sleep No More one, you know, I suppose they did need to try something different. They've tried it. Uh, don't do it again. Uh, <laughs> you, you've got to say that. Um, Doctor Who, although, and it was it was Signal, wasn't it? It said, uh, you know, touch your nose, 
see some of the old famous ones, you know, you know the caretaker. Um, they did say that they were going to do some of these revisits. Uh, and, and like we said, we, you know, we, we, we learned a little bit about where, where the 12th Doctor got his face from. I was prompted to take that face from. Uh, and we have some other things. The yo-yo makes a reappear, uh, reappearance in the, uh, you know, uh, the Zygon invasion and other things and so on. So um, it's been an extremely strong series so far. And I think Sleep No More is going to be one of the, it's going to be the Marmite episode of this series, isn't it? And, and every series has at least one Marmite episode. Whether it's Rings of Akatan or it's Fear or uh, Idiot's Lantern, there'll be one that some people think actually there's a lot in that and others will say, I don't want to watch it again. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's, uh, what was it, the, the episode no, I mean, before? That, that, that episode. That, the episode before yeah, Fear Her, what was it? Um, the, 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 I, I still have yet to see that again. The the one that preceded, the the one where um, it had the... Linda was introduced, the, the, the which I didn't mind so much. The, the, the oh, Love, love, em, love, love and Monsters, em. that's it. Thanks. See, it was, I even put the name out of my head. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> so that was an experimental story, that's too. That was, they, they did, uh, you know, it was telling the story through someone else's eyes. And, um, you know, so that they did something similar there as well. But uh, you know what? This series. So two experiment- go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. I say the two experimental ones to me that have really worked were Blink, which was mm-hmm. done out of the need to do a, a Doctor Light one that was marvelous, and Midnight. Uh, I think that was the sort of experimental one, uh, yeah. and they were both fabulous in my mind. What I was about to say is that the series so far hasn't had, which um, it seems like we always get in each series, which I'm not complaining because I think it's good that we don't have it so far, is any overall arching element that was that seems to be you know in every episode or every other episode you know last year it was um you know that we got to see missy you know in this you know heaven type of atmosphere and you know that led up to the series finale and you know in past years there was something else whatever i mean it all you know um you could we could, we could go back to the 2005 series you know, and and find you know these Lincoln elements. So so far, there hasn't been like this reoccurring thing that comes up in each story. Or am I missing it? Well, only the prolonged leaving of Clara. Because I mean, remember last Christmas, uh, they they changed the ending, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, from how it was first written, um, right? And I think from that point. Um, uh, one thing I will say that uh, uh, I'm sorry to talk too much, but uh, um, in quite a few of these stories, the actual central story, uh, and you could say that for Sleep No More, the central story, the actual meat of the story, hasn't been the meat. The meat, the meat has been the, the the bookends. You know how it opens and how it closes. Now, you may argue that's Stephen Moffat writing extra material for some of these, but I mean. Uh, the um, the Zygon invasion one, uh, no, not Zygon. The um, the the girl who died and the woman who lived. All right, it, you know we we had um, you know the Vikings in the first one, and we had high women in the second one. But really, it was all about the girl. Um, they could have been, you know, the, the 
the Viking ones could have been, you know, it could have been a cowboy one, it could have been anywhere else. Because um, basically all you had to do was the Doctor see somebody and have this, um, uh, you know, premonition or whatever it is, uh, seeing a memory in the wrong order and uh, her dying. Mm-hmm. And then coming back in another historical area, which could have been, you know, the times of Michelangelo, it could have been any, it could have been any time, couldn't it? Yeah. No, absolutely. Though what I was getting at was there was there hasn't been a bad wolf type of reference throughout the whole series, as we see in each ah, other series. Uh, it wasn't that you know going back to two thousand five, you know the bad wolf kept on reappearing through you know, and that led to the, to the series finale. And you know, in each year there was something that was an overall arcing thing woven into you know. I don't want to say every episode, but the majority of the episodes. Um, you know that sort of strung you along to to the end climax. So so far, unless I'm missing it, we you haven't know, had it this year. Which I'm and I think you just for. hit on it right there. You know, I, I I think what's happening is I oh. think there is one. We just don't know it yet. Perhaps we haven't realized it yet. It's, pudding bread, rice pudding, rice pudding bread has put one in the hybrid. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Well done, thank you for that. Uh, we had that certainly um, in the Danvros story, uh, and then of course this uh, the the girl who died is now a hybrid. Hmm. Um, you could argue that Clara is now going to be a hybrid with this thing inside the body. Um, so well, and uh, Osgood, they refer to. Uh, so well done, Price Pudding Rain. Not an audio, but helping us out anyway. Yes, thanks. Cheers, absolutely. All right, well, we have uh, three more episodes to go, and we're we're looking forward to them anxiously, and we'll see um, how it all pans out. So uh, speaking of which, so here's a little bit for uh, coming up next time uh, um, on Doctor Who. Briggsy! Hey, what's wrong? So I have this, uh, it kind of looks like a tattoo. There's no nice way to say you're about to die. What? I don't know who did this to you, but I do almost certainly know how to find them. So this is your life then, bouncing around time, saving people. There have always been rumors, mutterings about hidden streets, secret pockets of alien life right here on Earth. Peace on this street depends on one thing. To break it is to face the raven. Hey, hey, hey. hey, I tell you what, I know, <clears throat> this is not a spoiler, but when I saw that next time thing and I saw this street, I thought, that's the Harry Potter street that's hidden in London. I thought that too. Only <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a little raven instead of an owl. <laughs> well, you never know. And all the Harry Potter fans will be saying, don't you know the name of that street? No, I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> well, we know who gave... Uh, we know who gave Harry Potter his wand, so there you go. Wasn't that? Am I? Aren't I referring to the, to the right person there? Uh, it wasn't that John Hurt? Uh, oh, I thought you were talking about uh, David Tennant beating both. No, no, I thought John Hurt was in there. Oh yes, yes, yeah. yes, he was in the one. He, he, he was in the one shop. The, the yeah. 
Well, and still yet to come in um, the series is the, you know, the fact if the doctor's going to, because supposedly he's going to get a sonic screwdriver back. So is it going to be a new sonic screwdriver? Yay. I, you know, I'm hoping it's going to be a new, a new one only because uh, he was using what was essentially uh, the 11th doctor's sonic screwdriver up until this point. So. He's still using the glasses, though. The sunglasses was used once again today, or last night, I should say. Thankfully, he's taking them off a little bit as soon as he's used them. Mm. My name is Alice Trouton, and you are listening to the Doctor Who Podshop. Hi, this is Lee Shackelford reminding you that Doctor Who Podshock is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible. Just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 150,000 titles. Let me say that again. 150,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre, they've got an audiobook in it. And these files play on iPhones. Kindles, iPads, any smartphone. In fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Dr. Who Ponchak, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. You can choose anything at all from that vast library, but we know you'll want to get one of their delicious Dr. Who titles. They're performed for you by actors you know and love, wonderful voices, uh, Tom Baker, Paul McGann, David Tennant, on and on it goes. Try it out for 30 days, and if at the end of that month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So, let me put it this way. Free Doctor Who book, right? So, here's how to get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash podjock. That's audibletrial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash podjock. Pick your free book. You're going to love it. All right. Well, um, so perhaps we may um, conf- uh, re-adjourn next week on another live show, perhaps, if we can get round up everyone together again and uh, do another live show reviewing um, next week's episode. Woohoo! Uh, Diagon mm. Alley, that's what I'm thinking of. I think I think I have an anticipation that we will have a lot to talk about after next week or next Saturday. Well, time will tell, as it often does. Time so will tell. Next uh, next story is called "The Face of the Raven." No, fa- face the Raven. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Face the Raven. Yep. All right. So until then, Alan Poe, maybe. Perhaps, and um, if you you can also catch uh, Dave on the Cultum Collective. He just came off recording on that show that's it's on live uh, before us at two p.m. on Sundays, and um, so you can catch that. Um, also, if you don't catch it live, you can it's available on iTunes and various other uh, any other way you can you can um, catch your podcasts. You can catch it there. Um, ubiquitous. That's ubiquitous. Yes. And um, 
Um, Kyle, I don't know if you have anything you want to plug or say or no, no. I, I think I think I'm good. I um, uh, you know, feel free to follow me on Twitter, Kyle MJ six nine seven seven, and of course, you know, I am always here. So, Woo-hoo. fantastic. And, and as always, you could uh, Doctor Who Podcast on yes. Twitter as well, on Facebook and Google Plus, and um, you can follow us there as well. At Podcast is um, our Twitter uh, handle. Name, designation, whatever you may want to call it. Okay, so um, until next time, I guess um, that wraps up this show. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and thanks, Kyle and uh, Dave, for joining us and um, in chat, Rice Pudding Brain, a.k.a. Steve. So uh, until next time, I guess cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan-run GallifernMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podchuck Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit arttrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. We can't stay in here. We're going to freeze to death. We can't go back up there because the Sandmen will get us. Sandman? Yeah, it's a good name. Fits like the song. No. No, 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 no. You don't get to name things. I'm the doctor. I do the naming. Alright, sorry. It's like a Silurians all over again. Okay, well, what would you prefer then? The Dustmen? Sandman.